coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Okay, welcome once again to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And we're here in uh, week two of Oscar Watch 2019. We're here, do we're focusing this month pretty much exclusively on the Oscars and all the movies that are nominated for them. But we're trying to keep the same sort of vibe as always, which is just you know get out there, see some movies, and have a drink with your friends. And that's what we're here to do today. Sure is. Yeah. Are you drinking tonight? Oh yeah. Oh, I. Sure what are you am. having? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why would you ask? Uh, funny you should ask yes i'm drinking a bud heavy right now oh a bud Um, heavy look at you go i'm uh not doing that i am drinking though i'm having a bourbon and sweet tea so very nice yeah a little classier than you but uh, (laughs) oh uh, okay no shade or anything but that's very southern of you it's like my favorite beverage um because there's tea there's sugar and there's bourbon hello it's what do you like, want from me? That's like all I've ever wanted. Classier, more flavorful rum and coke. Ew, I would never. I don't like rum though. But I'll drink like a Jack and Coke or a bourbon and Coke if it's not Jack. Although I prefer Jack. Um, but you know that's Tennessee whiskey. But still, like I would like that. I would drink that right now. I'm looking at my bottle of Jack and thinking that should be next. But you're you're eyeing it. You're. I am. I really am. I keep it on my desk, like right in front of the mic. Um, it's like Makers. Tequila and then Jack. It's really like levels of good. No, it's from like classiest to least classy. <laughs> um. Great organizational scheme. Yeah. All right. So um, we'll start off today by recapping what we've done in the last week. Um, so this week I saw five movies from the Oscar list, uh, brought the remaining number down to uh, 28. Uh, comprised of 14 features and 14 shorts. Um, The movies I saw were Cold War, Free Solo, RBG, Roma, and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So I tried to put in a decent amount of work this week, uh, chipping away at that total. Uh, Wait, what's your total now? Making progress. It's uh, 28. Nice. Okay. We're not too far off. What about you? Yeah, so my total is down to 26. Uh, That's how many more I have to see. I, so if you'll recall from last episode, I saw First Reformed the day of the Oscar announcement. So realistically, I've still seen five since the day of the announcement. Um, that was my, the first movie of my Oscar watch race season. So mm-hmm. um, since then, I've also seen Free Solo. I saw If Beale Street Could Talk. I saw Shoplifters and I just saw Green Book yesterday. Very nice. All right. So um, let's just try to cover what we've seen here in brief uh there's way too many movies to talk about in depth but uh what about free solo uh i i really enjoy that one personally um it's very interesting for a documentary about rock climbing i didn't realize it was going to delve so much into uh this guy's backstory his whole life like his whole outlook but basically um he's the first guy to and so far the only guy to free solo climb El Capitan, 
which means to climb it without any ropes or supports whatsoever. Um, and it's really impressive to see. Uh, and there's some very stunning cinematography in the documentary. So uh, it was a very interesting watch for me. Yeah, I also thought it was a really good movie. Um, I agree that I didn't really know to expect that it would be all about really about this guy and like his psyche and the way that it was. Right. Um, I mean, saying it's about his psyche, it's not quite as deep a dive as that makes it sound. The word psyche is maybe a bit far, but like it is motivation and stuff like that. It is. Yeah. It's about like why he does this. Um, I thought really importantly, it's about how it impacts the people around him, um, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a really interesting perspective. I thought having his girlfriend be a regular fixture uh her name was sani her her always talking about how she feels about it um was a really great choice i thought it brought a lot of like much needed like i don't want to say criticism of him but sort of criticism of him like just explicitly it puts it in context you know like you see him climbing up this sheer rock face you're like oh that's so cool but it really makes you think about like how close he is to death at times like that and how something like that would affect the people around him. Like they also bring up a number of times, like the fact that people are filming him the entire time. And if he was going to die, like right there, that would basically scar them for life because they like took part in this thing to help him essentially kill himself. Right. I mean, and you know, they point out that that basically is what free soloing is. Uh, Anybody who's made that a major part of their lives has died. I think that's a direct quote from the movie. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, anyone who makes it a part of their lives to the point where they climb dangerous, dangerous, like, cliffs, you're going to, I mean, eventually it's going to catch up to you. I mean, that's just reality, right? Um, yeah. So that that is what happens a lot of the times. Yeah. If you're just free soloing, like, easy climbs, sure, that's one thing. But, like, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, yeah, I, th- I thought that it did a really good job of balancing that out because I thought that... Um, Alex Honhold has some issues where he doesn't seem to understand why people might care that he's doing this, um, which was really like jarring to me. Um, it's just yeah. like, he's like, Oh, whatever. Like what's that part where he talks about how um, if he died that everybody would forget about it, like in two days or so. And it's like, that's just yeah. not true. Like your mom would not forget. We meet his mom. Although his mom was kind of a cold person too. Um, <laughs> his mom um, was kind of strange um, yeah like, I kind of saw f- where he got it from like is all I'm I saying feeling like his family was definitely part of the influence that made him who he was because they, they sort of had this attitude um, about like you know trying to be the best or whatever and also being a little bit aloof emotionally um, which seemed to be uh, his character later on that he um, he wasn't so much connected to uh, his emotions or the emotions of the people around him, but he was very um, determined to do um, like great and unusual things that surpass anything that other people have done. Right. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, his family definitely played a huge role. It, it was just strange, and his like. It, obsession with perfection and like finding greatness this one specific way it's really i mean it's like hard to watch at times because it's like that just isn't what greatness means to me anyway um (laughs) so like anytime he's talking about i'm like there are so many other ways you could achieve greatness in this world and you have chosen to do the dumbest thing a human could ever do (laughs) and that's climb this massive 2500 foot rock wall without any like safeguards that's insane i mean i don't know 
I was thinking about it because, like, you know, I climb uh, indoors fairly regularly. And I was like, I could not, like uh, not even close. Like, I'm like, I, I'm scared on the top of a rock wall that's, you know, 20 feet high like <laughs> with cushions underneath me. So, yeah, I think most people would not be comfortable up there uh, without any ropes. But yeah, I, I wouldn't I thought... be comfortable up there with ropes. Let's just to put that out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love climbing, but not like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I did not gain any desire to go free soloing from this documentary. Uh, and I no. don't think a lot of people will. Maybe a few of them, but uh, definitely not me. Please don't. If you did gain motivation to go free soloing after this, call me instead. Reach out to us on Twitter at Buzzed on Movies. We'll talk about it. We'll talk <laughs> you down from that because that's yeah. not an okay thing. Yeah. So maybe don't go free soloing, but definitely go check out this movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it might not be super easy to see right now. I think there was only one theater around in D.C. that was playing it. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be out on streaming eventually. And then uh, give it a look. If you can. Yeah, I, it'll be out everywhere. I'm sure like on streaming for sure. It was probably one of the bigger documentaries that got nominated for best documentary. So, yeah. Um. And so uh, another one we've both seen at this point, uh, RBG. I just finished that one today. That's another one of the documentaries. Um, this one, I, I liked it quite a bit. I don't have quite as much to say about it as I did with Free Solo, but it was really good. I thought it gave me a lot of insight into Ruth Bader Ginsburg that I didn't really know before, especially like her early days um, as a lawyer crusading for civil rights. And, um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. It made me a little upset about the current political situation, but, uh, other than that, it was fun. I think it was meant to make you a little upset about the current political situation. Um, yeah. yeah so I saw RBG a while ago, um, because I saw that when it was having its main run, um, okay. in theaters. So I can't say that I remember it, you know, probably in the level of detail that you might, um, <laughs> But I really liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Uh, I was really happy with it. And of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is an icon. And, oh, yeah. You know, I love her. I think everybody agrees. Well, probably anyone who listens to us agrees. Um, <laughs> but yeah. What so. I was most surprised by was like how uh, how personable she was, how like charismatic, even though she is like a reputation as somewhat of a reserved person. I thought she was pretty engaging in the film when she showed up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this movie in May. So it's been a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just see that. <laughs> I just read my review on Letterboxd where I talk about Orrin Hatch's reaction when she talks about abortion rights. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I, I love it. He just like, he just sort of puts his hand on the side of his face and just like sits there for a second. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> he's like so mad right now he was so angry i also love that like watching that movie you see that like people like Orrin hatch are still around they're still doing it and like yeah it's just like bizarre to me like i know we're all happy rbg is still doing it and trust me i am too but there are people like Orrin hatch who just like i'm so glad that they're like getting out of this like it's time like they need to yeah, phase yeah. themselves out like be done please um, watching Orrin Hatch in this, I was like, he's been around too long. Who let him do this? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Sit him down. So that was RBG. Um, <laughs> the last one that we've both seen at this point um, is Roma. 
Um, I think this will make kind of an interesting uh, comparison because I saw Roma in theaters a couple days ago and you saw it on Netflix, right? Yeah, and that really personifies the debate uh, surrounding Roma already. So yeah, I mean, it's an excellent film. I think you probably had the better viewing experience. Yeah, it's great no matter which way you see it, I think. So if you're unfortunate enough not to have a theater near you that's showing it, still check it out on Netflix. The thing is, Uh, I have one. It's showing at the Alamo in 70mm, as I mentioned last week. And I I watched it on Netflix. Now, I watched it on Netflix, like, as soon as it was released on Netflix. I didn't, like... Like, and I'm... I could be wrong, but I don't think it's been at the Alamo for very long. Especially in 70mm. Yeah, the 70mm prints were just released, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, it, it definitely came out on Netflix first. Right. So, I just watched it because I, like, there'd been a lot of, like, buzz around this movie already, and I really wanted to see it. So, I just watched it right away. I do still want to get to a theater and see it. Um, I think it's definitely great no matter how you watch it. I think that there's a certain way that the movie really wants you to be fully absorbed into it that you yeah. are not going to get from watching it on Netflix um, unless you happen to have a really, really big TV. I I mean, my TV is a nice size, but it's not that big. Yeah. So... Yeah. What I thought was actually like the most important part of seeing it in the theater was the sound mix, which I wasn't prepared for because I knew that this was supposed to have incredible visuals and it did. Uh, the cinematography is really great. Uh, it's all in black and white and it's all perfectly optimized for a black and white viewing experience. But on top of it, the sound mix is so engaging and immersive. It really feels like you're in the world that they're showing you. Like it, I wasn't even prepared for it when it first started up. Uh, in the first couple scenes, you can actually hear like voices talking sort of like behind you and to the side and like around different places. And I thought that like there were actually people talking in the theater and I was starting to get really annoyed like you do whenever you hear people talking at the beginning of a movie. You're like, oh God, this is going to go on the whole time, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, like, those aren't people in the theater that's actually part of the sound mix it was very um it was very believable and it actually i thought added quite a bit to the movie just made it very immersive nice see and i missed out on something like that uh by watching it at home i mean you can pick up on the fact that there is good sound editing going on but it doesn't feel the same when it's not surround sound and that sort of thing and yeah. I don't have surround sound in my apartment. Although, you know what? 2019 bucket list. Well, bucket list. I'm not dying in 2019. But like, <laughs> uh, 2019 goals list, I should get some surround sound. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's still totally possible to get this experience at home if you've got a decent surround sound system. But it also was cool to see it in the theater. Um, and I do think that's kind of how it's meant to be seen. There's also a scene uh, in the movie that actually takes place in a movie theater um, and it's like an old movie palace style. And you just get this really long shot uh, with a very deep field of focus that shows like the entire theater and the screen and all the people in it just silently watching the movie. And um, I thought that was just amazing right there. That one shot just sort of encapsulated everything that I love about going to the movies, just like the whole experience of it and um, how it feels having all the people around you watching the same movie. Um, and I, I really saw that shot as sort of a, a shout out to the um, the experience of going to the movies. I mean, it absolutely is. 
And I mean, I didn't see it in a theater. I need to fix that. I need to say <laughs> my goal is to see it in the theater during this Oscars race anyway, even though I've already seen it, which is hard because I have to make time for something I've already seen while trying to see all these movies I haven't seen. Um, but I really want to. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, that's uh, and, you know, if you don't have the opportunity, still watch it at home. It's still a great movie. And uh, it's probably um, at least one of the two or three that I would most recommend from this list of nominees um, that yeah. I think pretty much everyone should see if they I would agree with that. Thing. Yeah, um, it was excellent. Yeah. And so... Um, Thus ends the movies we've both seen, right? Yeah. With everything. Um, from there, what we saw this week, sorry. Right, from what we saw this week that we've both seen. Um, no, no, I no, was... hold on. No, 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 no. I saw If Beale Street Could Talk this week. Oh, right. I saw and that a while ago. you've seen If Beale Street Could Talk. Okay, yeah. Um, if Beale Street Could Talk, uh, director Barry Jenkins, another movie that I really go see it in theaters. I mean, oh, and yes, I wasn't absolutely. expecting it to be like as theatrical an experience as it was, um, but it is a fully theatrical experience. Definitely, yeah. It is visually stunning. Um, the sound is incredible. So it is both of those aspects alone just make it worth going to see it in a movie yeah. theater. The score is really actually experience them. Right. And so that was included in sound, but yes. So part yeah. of the sound is the score, which is just, I mean, jaw dropping at moments. Um, so yeah, it's really, really good and is definitely worth going to the theaters for. His use of color is insane. The um, color was so good. I just noticed it like the second the movie started, the way that the like the blues and the yellows of their outfits in that first scene just really pop off the screen and the way that they you know coordinated those outfits so that it would work that way. I just thought like just showed an instant attention to color that was played out then throughout the rest of the movie. Right. And I mean, I guess so like it's interesting because Moonlight is, of course, his last movie, um, yeah. which was an absolutely incredible film. Um, one best picture uh, last year. Absolutely should have. Um, Definitely. It, I would say, just like the visual dynamics between the two movies, I really didn't expect him to be so like quite lush and vibrant and like just like eye-popping as he was, you know, and if Beale Street yeah. could talk and the way it was done here. So I just really wasn't expecting some of the technical aspects in this one that weren't in Moonlight. I thought it really showed like a great progression for Barry Jenkins as a director and just the way he's like pu pulling his entire film together, um, which is great. That's very exciting. Um, obviously, of course, cinematography also played a huge role here. So, yeah. Uh, and I think part of what makes this interesting to see in a theater is um, there's a lot of shots in here that really show off um the cinematography um there are these straight on shots of the characters faces just sort of looking right into the camera and um you get these shots multiple times throughout oh. the film you see like their full emotions uh at these moments and the lighting on their face is so beautiful and there's something incredible about seeing them like blown up to like 15 feet tall on the screen in a theater where you really like just feel everything that these characters are going through at those moments. Uh, and I think that's a very important part of the movie that they're trying to um, get through. Yeah. I think um, one of the first moments that I realized that was uh, 
early in the movie when Stephen James's character is in prison and Kiki Lane's character goes to visit him and you just see him behind the glass talking to her, but he's looking directly at the camera. And it like floored me. I was not expecting that because it's like a quiet fourth wall breaking because the things he's saying, I don't want to spoil anything, but could be directed at a modern audience, like not just to her. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's just like really... It's really, really, really incredibly well done. Um, and of course, there's Regina King in this movie who's getting all of the awards love, and rightfully so. Um, so worth mentioning. But I do think that Regina or Kiki Lane and Stephen James have been completely like, they deserve more than they're getting. Like, they were yeah. incredible as the leads here. Like, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And like this movie in general, I feel like has not gotten the nominations that it deserved. Like I was glad to see Regina King get the best supporting actress nomination. That was definitely deserved. But um I think like this wasn't nominated for best picture, obviously. I don't think it was even nominated for cinematography, was it? Uh I don't think it was. Uh, I can double check real quick because uh, I have it open. Um yeah, it was it wasn't nominated for cinematography, which and that's is insane. Amazing. James Laxton's cinematography was out of this world. I mean, very good. I mean, like, and there are a lot of other great movies with good cinematography. Okay, Mr. but A Star Roma, Is Born was nominated for best Cold cinematography. Uh, but yeah, um, not to talk I, over you, but <laughs> I, no, I agree. That's that's the one I would probably knock out. It sticks out like a sore thumb here because it had the most like standard basic cinematography in the world. And yeah. that's not a bad thing. The movie is very like, I mean, it's meant to be very straightforward and has like yeah. the classic trappings of a classic drama. Like it's a melodrama. It's straightforward. It yeah, feels like the talk did something very like beautiful and vivid and lush with the cinematography that a star is born didn't even try to do. And if Beale street could talk deserves praise for what it did. Yeah. I, I, I agree that the cinematography was kind of standard. It wasn't bad, but it definitely stands out among, among a bunch of other movies that have a little more innovative and interesting cinematography. Right. It's just like, it's not like the type of cinematography that, needs to be getting awards so shout out to the academy for that one uh another another um nom potential nominee that i think was overlooked was uh brian tyree henry um in a supporting role i thought he could have definitely seen a nomination there he has this just this one scene in the movie um where he talks about his experience after recently getting out of prison and uh it's just immensely powerful and the way the movie plays with the sound and the focus in that scene really just draws you into his story and he just nails it completely making like making you feel all the horrors that he's seen right and i thought he could have definitely seen a nomination for that but yeah not. he deserved um, it you know who else was in this movie who i didn't expect diego luna um <laughs> when he showed up like as like the waiter friend randomly i was like what's going on like <laughs> oh i forgot that was him yeah yeah <laughs> i mean there's some other like really random like characters who show or actors who show up in this i wasn't like, like dave, dave frank, frank is in this movie <laughs> yes finn whitrock is in this movie ed screen mm -hmm. of game of thrones uh fame is in this movie so yeah. i don't know what's like it's like who are how did these people get involved in this and i never knew um ed screen oh my god Oh, what was the connection there? So, um, Ed Screen plays Daria. You... Yes, he played Dario Naharis in this movie. I know the connection you're going for, right? He played Dario.
Anna Harris. And at the same time, the same week you saw this movie, you were watching The Haunting of Hill House, which features the other Dario Naharis actor from Game of Thrones. Yes, that, that there it is. <laughs> so uh, all the Darios are making big moves these days. Oh Pedro Pascal was in this movie. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ober and Martell? Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Game of Thrones actors coming up in a big way. Plus, um, Stephen James is a, a Degrassi actor. I'm just saying. Um, I want that to be known. My two biggest shows were represented in this movie, Degrassi and Game of Thrones. So It's, I was it's a there. meeting of the minds here, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Um, if Beale Street could talk, fantastic movie. Go see it. Really good. Didn't get enough recognition this year, but at least it's up for a couple things. Yes, and it deserves so much more. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, so for the other ones that I saw that you didn't see, um, Cold War, um, and I'm sure you'll get around to seeing this one soon. Um, this one is really interesting. It's, um, just the story of the, this couple, like through very, uh, various different years of the Cold War. I don't know how to describe this. Um, I'm just, I'm not even going to bother to summarize this. I'm just, just going to I feel about like, it. I mean, I haven't seen it, but just watch the trailer, which like, I don't know. The trailer is such an aesthetic for this movie. Like, I feel like that has to be correct. Yeah. Right. You've seen yeah. the trailer it's with like great. the cool, like jazzy tune and like, it's all black and white. And she just looks like absolutely gorgeous and is like behind a microphone half the time. I don't know what's happening, but yeah. Well, and that I, sort of sums up the whole mood of it i think the music is very important in it um the black and white aesthetic is very cool and interesting um the cinematography is great in it definitely um just the whole movie it's just um very emotional um very uh engaging and it just it was so fun to watch from start to finish like i just wanted to like be in there and experience all these times that these people were living in, even though some of them were definitely far from desirable. Um, it just felt so real, everything that was happening on the screen. And um, this movie is actually getting a decent amount of recognition um, in this year's awards, which I think is pretty great. Um, uh, Paul Palakowski is up for best director and yeah. uh, the cinematography was nominated and it's also up for best foreign language film. Uh, this film's from Poland. And um, I think it's definitely got a strong um, chance of winning the best foreign language, but it could also maybe win in some of the other categories too. It's very good. And it's only an hour and a half too. So, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. It, it's it very, really looked like the type of movie that would be really long. Right. No, it's very uh, economically paced. Like it sometimes it moves really fast, but it serves the story really well. Um, okay, and it's it's nice. It, you don't feel weighed down when you come out of it. You feel like you've you've seen every part of the story that you wanted to see. Okay, I really want to see it. I really I love the trailer. Um, I love it so much. I love the vibe it gives off. I feel like it's like exactly and maybe not like currently what I'm obsessed with in terms of film, but like. At one point in my life, that was like my specific brand of film, and I really am excited to see it. So, yeah, I I'm looking forward to it. I definitely plan to see it within the next like week or two, um, because it's playing around here and it's coming to our Alamo soon. So, ooh, nice. Yeah, because it's it's on. It's before like every movie. It's also before um like all the Nighthawk uh movies that you'll see right now. It's in front of them. So, oh, that would be a cool one to see at Nighthawk. 
Yeah, but which Nighthawk? Should I see it at the the Williamsburg hipster one or like the family friendly Prospect Park one? Ooh, decisions, decisions. I don't Prospect know. Park. Um, yeah. So I only went to the new Nighthawk in Prospect Park recently for the first time. And that's when I saw Shoplifters, another movie nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, um, mm. which was excellent. I loved it. Um, very, yeah, very glad I saw it. It was great to see it in the theaters. Um, it's not directorially, it's not like as flashy as something like a Cold War or like a Roma, but he's there's good work being done there. Hirokazu uh, uh-huh. Koreata does good work uh, as a director, but more importantly, it's just like such a great like... I don't want to say slice of life because I feel like that's like the most like overused phrase ever. Um, that would apply is, to Roma. Definitely. Oh, that's very yeah. much Roma. Yeah. Um, and this one does have like a narrative that's like encapsulated here. That's like very clear, but it is like the way, like the story's told there's like moments that don't necessarily aren't necessarily just about narrative. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not just like the straight through, like every point is about like the plot. It's like, yeah. this is just about the characters. You know, let's um, let's the characters breathe a little bit. Yeah, and there's some like really tender, beautiful, beautiful moments between these characters. Um, uh-huh. and there's a lot of like stuff you find out at the end that's meant to make you question the characters. Um, that I don't think do- succeeds. I think it. I mean, and I don't think it. Sorry, succeeds makes it sound like it's a movie failure. Um, it's not. I think it's intentionally meant to say like make you love these characters and then challenge that, but then say but you still love them. And that's uh-huh. okay because they're still great because what the things that they've done in their past, first of all, don't define them. And second of all, maybe they had a reason for it. Like, and so, um, I don't know. I think it's a really, really gorgeous film. I think it's a beautiful film about family and the family that you choose versus the family that you have no say in. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. And I'm sure maybe you've seen the, uh, the video of the little girl who's in it, uh, going around. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, she played the character Yuri, uh, the character or the actress Miyu Sasaki. She, there's like a video mildly viral that went around of just like her reacting to seeing the nomination uh, at the Oscars. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm like getting teary. I just thinking about it. She was just so adorable. Those are always fun to see. I think the reaction uh, videos, especially for um, like people who, wouldn't normally see an Oscar nomination like the directors of the shorts or the foreign films or stuff like that. Um, that's always right. kind of heartwarming. It is. And she's like, I mean, she's really cute. And she, as an actress, even though she's like, God, she's like so young. Um, <laughs> she's like, I mean, she plays like a, a five-year-old in this movie, I think. Um, uh-huh. And she is so good. It's like half the time she speaks, you want to like start sobbing. Um, Mm -hmm. So just, you know, brace yourself for that when you see shoplifters. Um, And like the lead couple in it was like insane. Uh, Lily Frankie and Sakura Ando, they were, they were so good. And they had like such like weirdly great chemistry as like a, a, you know, a husband and wife essentially. Um, And, especially she Sakura Ando is really 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 good I wish I hope she's getting acting nominations um elsewhere because the Oscars should have seen it but that's okay um yeah Shoplifters was really good I was really surprised I mean not that I didn't expect to like it I just didn't know I'd like it as much as I did I really really it resonated with me so yeah I've heard great things about it so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that I'll probably try to see that this week 
um, because it's still playing in theaters around here, but I'm not quite sure how long it's going to be there. You should so, see it uh, soon then, just in case. Definitely trying to jump on that quickly. I will say it's one that if you can't see it in theaters, it's probably not like you should. There are other movies that are probably more like necessary. You want the cinematic experience as opposed to shoplifters if you had to. Right. Um, but yeah. um, this I don't one, you could there's any yeah. way to find this on home streaming at the moment. Um, no. I'm sure it'll show up eventually. But uh, none that I'm aware of. Anyway. For those of yeah. us who are racing before the ceremony date, it might be necessary to see it in theaters. Yeah, you should. I mean, you, I mean, in general, you should anyway, especially when like foreign language films come to the U.S. I feel like it's like oh, worth yeah. spending money on just to say, hey, we want more of these. Like, <laughs> yeah, I always try to support that because um, like we should definitely get a lot more foreign films around here. That's why I'm always most interested in the foreign language film category when the Oscars come out, because basically you get to see like the best of the best when it comes to like the entire rest of the world. Every country submits their one best film and then they pick the five best of those. Right. So really like there's usually some pretty heavy hitters in there and definitely movies that I usually wouldn't see otherwise. It's hard because I, there's so much good foreign film out there (laughs) and we narrow it down to like five movies from the entire rest of the world. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) And that's crazy to me. I mean, that's really insane. Yeah. I so. mean, theoretically, other, um, you know, a foreign language film could be nominated for Best Picture or for the other categories. Oh, Roma. But, yeah, like Roma is a perfect example. Um, and in the past, like films like La Vida Bella have uh, even won uh, Best Picture. Oh, yeah, La Vida Bella. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot less likely because people are less likely to have seen them unless it's like a really big foreign film. Right. I feel like Roma, there's a reason it stands in such a good chance this year and that's because everybody talked about it yeah um, you know normally a movie in a foreign language probably wouldn't so um and because it's got alfonso Cuarón behind it and it does Netflix yeah and he's distributing yeah and, well alfonso Cuarón also just has like a not i i don't know if everybody i know has like would know him by name but most people have seen his movies right pretty much everyone i know i could name some and they'd be like yes i have seen that and they'd be like i know <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah, but uh, see shoplifters and yeah. cry like seven times like I did. So, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the last one that I saw um, was uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, and speaking of crying, I-, I watched this with Lauren and she cried during it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure she's glad that I'm talking about that. Uh, but uh, yes, it it's a very it's an anthology movie and it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of uh what the different segments are about uh some of them are funnier than others some of them are sadder um it's all just kind of a mix of the coen brothers traditional black humor type and some of it is more black than others some of it is more humorous um most of the i'd say most of the segments are pretty good um some of them are better than others but uh, overall, I really liked it. Um, the song that it's nominated for is very catchy, very good. When a cowboy trades his spurs for wings. I have not been able to get that out of my head for the last week. Who's it uh, by? Uh, it's by uh, David Rawlings and Jillian Welch. It, it's it's a very interesting uh, placement in the movie. Let me just say. Okay. Um, I need to see it. I, I have not seen that one yet. <laughs> That that section that it appears in, too, I kind of wish there was more of that one because that was my favorite part. 
uh, and it comes right at the beginning, but it's a lot of fun. The whole thing. Um, it's classic Coen brothers. And I think it works pretty well on Netflix actually. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it on a big screen cause it's got some really great imagery of like the wild West, um, kind of the classic shots that you see in old Westerns of, um, the frontier, but it works. The story structure works really well on Netflix cause you get these short little bits. You can pause it if you want. You can pick up the next day like I did because I couldn't get through it in one night. But um, I, I think it, it, it ser- Netflix serves it pretty well. And uh, it's definitely a fun movie. Nice. Okay. I'm trying to check it out in the coming weeks since it is like an easy, easily accessible one. I'm trying to knock out a bunch of like the ones that I can watch at home in the next week, I think. So yeah, same. That'll be one of the ones that I will uh, check out sooner rather than later, I think. Uh, so the movie, the last movie I saw that you have not seen, uh, is Green Book. Unfortunately, I don't have quite as many good things to say about Green Book as you had to say <laughs> about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, Green yeah. Book was not a great movie. Um, it's, yeah, it's just not good. And I mean, a lot of that does boil down to the fact that, uh, if you know the backstory, you know that, you know, uh, it's not really an accurate portrayal of these two actual humans. Um, right. So that's like a huge bummer. And I know that that doesn't have to be every, I mean, a lot of times biopics are not right. I mean, right. we know that. Um, but the fact that Don Shirley's family raised objections to this is really troubling. First of all, the fact that it was written by the like family of Viggo Mortensen's character, uh, Frank Vallelonga, also known as Tony Lip. It was written by this other guy's family, the white man's family, and and like blatantly did not represent uh, Don Shirley's character well. Is like really troubling, and I think that should trouble anyone. You know, the the white man wrote it and did not present this black man accurately that's like a problem right yeah i think the most controversial part was that it supposedly i mean i haven't seen it yet but that it uh portrays uh shirley is kind of disconnected from the black community it does it's family like members say it's not at all the case so that's like i mean that's literally the plot of the movie is that he's disconnected from it um and is trying to like He's not even trying to, but he learns to connect to the black community because of Frank Vallelonga, <laughs> which is like completely. Ins- I mean, literally, he is basically taught how to connect to uh, to the black community by like this this white man, like, and that's. I mean, that's offensive, and there's every reason to be offended by that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's hugely troubling, and that should trouble anyone who sees it. There are some aspects to this film that aren't like terrible. Marshali Ali, Mahershala Ali is excellent. He's always excellent. Um, Viggo Mortensen, for all of the like memes about his character, blah, 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 and like the stupid things he said in that um, that table discussion that we all saw on Twitter last okay. week. Um, you know, um, for those of you who don't know, he said, why is a white man making a movie like Green Book a problem? Couldn't a white man make a movie about a samurai if he loved it or whatever? Which virtually everybody in like a 2500 mile radius was like excuse me oh god Um, (laughs) i'll try to include that interview in the show notes if i can remember it too (laughs) that was Um, a great one like completely ridiculous um you can't see why it makes why that a movie about anyway you can't see why this should be done by somebody other than a white man i don't know how to speak to you Vigo and that's a bummer because 
you were in Lord of the Rings. So like, and I loved that. So it's just a shame to see you just say something so obviously stupid and obtuse, but whatever. Um, he, yeah. So like, even despite that, he's like his character, like he plays his character. Well, it just turns out his character might not be the best portray, like the best depiction of him. Um, and his character, you know, of course starts out. There's a lot of questions I have about the racism. (laughs) Um, he like starts out by like throwing away glasses because he sees black men drink from them. Oh, and God. then, like, he's, like, fine, like, just to, he's, like, well, I'll drive this man around if it, like, if it pays well. And I'm, like, I just feel like somebody who's so hateful that he's going to throw away their glasses would not agree to this. I've, yeah. I've got to say. Like, and, like, there's no, like, attempt to understand, to understand any of it. Like, there's no attempt to understand why he is so disgusted by these black men drinking from his glasses that he has to throw them away in the first place and then there's no attempt to really understand why he decides to like go drive for drive for this man i mean they say money but it's not really presented as though they're super poor either so it's like it's not like he's like hurting the only thing you know is that the club he's a bouncer at is closing for renovations for a while but throughout the movie you see multiple instances where people are like oh i could get you a job oh i could do this so there's no real reason that he needs to feel scared about money from what we see so it's like it's like so shallow, like it's exploration. Um, additionally, Don Shirley uh, <laughs> is, you know, a queer man as well. And the movie's mm-hmm. attempt to explore that aspect is severely lacking. Oh, I mean, no. it does. I mean, it, it does bring it up. Um, but I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you, but the, the one time it does bring it up, I was like, seriously, this is the one time we're going it and we can't use the words gay or homosexual or anything. We, we never say them. There's no visible kiss. There's nothing. Okay. Okay. We just see homophobia and that's how we know. Thank you. Like, so. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't aware that we were going to have two nominees for best <laughs> picture that poorly explore their queer characters, but here we are. No. So this one has the the double aspect of also poorly exploring the black characters. So that's, yeah. you know. It's a double yeah. whammy. Yeah. So uh, overall, Green Book, not great. Um, but even on top of just like it's troubling, like I don't want to say politics, but that is sort of what it is, you know. Um, on top of that, there's just the fact that it's not a well-made film, really. I mean, the acting's uh-huh. good, but otherwise it's like nothing special. Um, there's, I don't really, like the character arcs are not really well-defined in my opinion, because like I said, it doesn't, really explain why the characters are the way they are so when they do other things at the end that's supposed to be like challenging who they were at the beginning it's like but it's not clear why any of this happened so why do i care am i supposed to feel something so they didn't Um, have like a clear arc in my opinion yeah just because like it didn't really from the beginning define i mean i guess you don't have to define why like a white man's racist at the outset uh let's just be clear that's just like that happens um (laughs) but like defining why he is so willing to like be disgusting and terrible, but also drive for black man and like drive him down into the deep South is like really, I mean, I feel like that's just like a big, I don't understand why this character would do that based on what they show of him, you know? And like, that should definitely be something they explore if you're going to take that leap. Right. Right. Also Mm -hmm. the rest of his character is all about like microaggressions as opposed to like something as blatant as like throwing away glasses because a black man touched them. And so it's like, they didn't really show 
I don't know. Like, I feel like they were like scared to make him look like he was actually racist. Like, (laughs) so, but like, it's clear that he was. So I'm like, I'm not sure what you were really going for here. Like, Mm -hmm. and of course, part of that might be written be because it was written by the family of this man. Yeah. There is that. Sully his memory too much. Yeah. I mean, it's not all microaggressions either. We've all seen the trailer where like Viggo Mortensen's character is like, oh, your people love fried chicken. And that's just like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> um, so like, you know, you get stuff like that. Um, and that's also really terrible. But it's just like, it's very uneven. It's not really clear who this character is. Um, but we're supposed to like him. I think he's supposed to be like funny and like relatable, but he's not because he's also like a racist. But it doesn't really explore that that's bad. I don't know. It's like, oh, he's a racist, but haha, isn't it funny half the time? And it's like, no. It's not. Um, it's not, though. Like, <laughs> and then, like, Don Shirley is not, exp- I mean, he's, I don't know. It's just, like, a mess. The whole thing is a mess. What do you expect when you get a movie directed by Pete Farrelly? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, yeah. not Oscar nominee Pete Farrelly. Although, no. can, he is nominated since it's Best Picture, and he's Yeah, I was going to say, his movie is nominated for Best Picture, and in an article I read today and sent you the screenshot of, is described as a front runner. <laughs> That's just horrifying, quite frankly. It's disgusting. Um, I hate well, it. That article also discussed whether whether it was going to be Black Panther, Green Book, or Bohemian Rhapsody that won Best Picture. And I was just like, God. <laughs> if it if out of those three, it's not Black Panther, I'm boycotting. Like if it's I the Black Panther to, is the only good one there. Like if I had to take one, it'd be Black Panther. But <laughs> okay, Black Panther was a great movie. It was a good movie. It was it was a fun superhero movie. I I don't think it was Best Picture. <laughs> sure, it was not I Best think, Picture. Um, I think it was like above average for a Marvel movie. Um, the whole reason it was, I mean, but I think I like Marvel movies more than you do. Let's just be clear on that one. That's um, true. That's definitely but, true. Yeah. Um. But like also. The whole reason the article was written, I can't remember uh, what is from. It might have been Slant or Slate or something. Um, one, they were discussing it because it won at the SAG Awards. It won like best ensemble. So, yeah. so yeah, that was sort of like a big deal. It was a big win for a Marvel film. Um, and so they were saying it's just another reinforcement that this year's Oscar race is. It's all sort of chaotic. Like nobody knows who's going to win anything really. Um, it really is. I mean, look at like the Ethan Hawke situation everybody thought that he was a shoe in to at least get a nomination for best actor and he didn't yeah well, actually no he did he didn't he didn't he didn't get a best nominate actor nomination for this one for the oscars yeah no we talked about it last episode because i had just watched first reformed and i'm still mad about it yeah because <laughs> uh, he deserved it he does well, i be. mean he they was only got original stunning. screenplay for that one yeah instead what they do nominate vigo mortensen um yeah, but uh, well, he was best actor, right? He wasn't supporting. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they, he was they best. Both been best actor. Um, yeah, no, best... Marshall Ali got. Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you were talking about Green Book. Still, okay. no, Marshall Ali got best supporting, which is also ridiculous. They're in the movie the same amount. Whatever. Um, yeah. Well, the whole like, best supporting, best lead uh, distinction has basically become meaningless at this point. Yeah, they're like, oh, we need to nominate another person from this movie. We should do something for supporting the most the most blatant of which is despite this being a movie i really liked uh the favorite with one of their actresses nominated for lead and two nominated for supporting despite the fact they were all in the movie pretty much the same amount i kind of felt like that was like okay 
I feel like personally that was like almost a continuation of the movie itself. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like Olivia Colvin's character is the lead. Like she is like the central force of that movie. She's the lead. And the other vying for her attention <laughs> the whole time. And they both got supporting actress nominations. It's hilarious. Right, like, so which one's going to win best supporting? Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. They like, <laughs> yeah, I really feel like it was like almost intentional. They were like, wouldn't this be hilarious if the movie kept going after the movie? Like, <laughs> That's great. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was genius. Um, Although I still think Regina King could win Best Supporting Actress. Um, But if not, who are you voting? Who's your favorite from the favorite then out of the supporting Um, actresses? Out of supporting actresses? Yeah. Olivia Coleman is like stunning. Like we don't want, we don't need, she really, she deserves that Best Actress nomination. She like kills it in this movie. Yeah. Between Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz, who would you Mm. choose? I have to say Emma Stone. Yes. I mean, I, I've, I'm a bit biased. I've loved Emma Stone for a long time. Uh, but yeah, I thought she was amazing in this movie. She showed such a transformation from like the, uh, the simple country girl who doesn't really know much about the court to becoming like a top player in the court intrigue. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, she had some really great, lines and deliveries along the way um so yeah i think she's who i'd pick uh, the two she was great although rachel weiss was really compelling definitely i gotta say she was great and she looked great doing it her outfits were like what the f um <laughs> the acting was just great all around in that movie yeah yeah it was like awesome so yeah they both really did deserve best supporting actress nominations i just yeah i do think it was intentional on their part to like <laughs> pick those two for best supporting even though they got literally like the same screen time i'm pretty sure like there's no way it was a huge difference between those two and olivia coleman right um, yeah i mean arguably olivia coleman might have been in it less i don't even know like <laughs> yeah that's what i'm like thinking might have been in it the most like, like if you had to go back and count i'm not sure that emma stone wouldn't be in it the most yeah, that's I, I agree. Was. But even Rachel Weiss, because you have all those scenes where once she gets <laughs> drugged and taken out into the woods and then shows up in that cabin. And <laughs> yeah, she's got all those scenes on her own too. But there yeah. aren't a lot of scenes with Olivia Coleman by herself. She's, she's always usually with, the with one of the two. And when she's not with the others, she's shortly interrupted by one of the others. Like right. it'll start out with her and then one of the others comes in. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't. It, it's it clearly the distinction is meaningless at this point, but um, Olivia Coleman definitely deserves uh, the best leading actress nominee. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. She was, I mean, she really was amazing. So, yeah. Um, anyway. In terms of the leading actor, which we were discussing, um, the nominees Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, Rami Malek, and Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, they totally could have put in Ethan Hawke instead of Vigo Mortensen there. They should have. Um, I mean, honestly, I really don't want to like criticize or insult Rami Malek, but they shouldn't even have put Rami Malek in here. If it's a bad movie, you shouldn't be nominated for an acting. I don't care how good the performance is. Don't nominate a bad movie for an Oscar like that. Just don't do yeah. it. It's not a. It's not a good look. It's bad. Rami Malek, I'm sorry. You just chose wrong this time, okay? Um, I mean, he, he did do a great job acting, and uh, I, I thought his performance was probably one of the few things that was good about that movie. And um, apparently the Oscars seems to think it was a good movie because it was nominated for Best Picture. Don't remind so. me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, we, we've sort of gotten off of Green Book a little bit, but that sort of does tie into our next topic of discussion, um, which is we're going to rate our anger at each of the Best Picture nominees on a Ooh-hoo. scale of 1 to 10. So the main reason we're doing this is that there's a couple specific nominees that we're kind of angry about. Uh, some of us are angrier than others. But uh, <laughs> we we just thought we'd kind of give an overview of where we are on the Best Picture nominees since that's the race that everyone's the, probably the most interested in. Uh, yeah. So... Starting off our list, um, we have Black Panther. Uh, so on a scale of Are, one to ten, wait, well, yeah. So wait, define this. One is the least angry. One is the least angry, and ten is the most angry. Okay, like you could not possibly be angrier than a ten. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. So Black Panther, I'm like a one. Like I don't, I have no anger. It was one of the biggest uh, movies of the year. It was really important. It makes sense that it got a nod here. I might feel differently if it won. I don't think it should win, but it deserved a nomination. Right. Um, I'd say I'm I like a three. I'm Ooh. not re- I'm not really angry at all. Um, I think it, you know, it's it is like a kind of a mainstream comic book kind of movie. There are some interesting uh parts of the plot that I thought were very different and uh maybe worthy of some consideration. And I don't think uh, it should be left off this list considering some of the other nominees. Um, but yeah, that's a- so <laughs> it's probably good that it got a nod. I, I don't think I'd be overly pleased if it won over some of the other nominees, but it was not a bad film. I liked it. So yeah, three. Yeah. All right. And uh, next would be Black Klansman. All right. Um, hmm. This one's hard. I liked Black Klansman. I thought it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, in terms of the movies this year that they released about race relations, not what I thought was the best. Um, so I And I do feel like that's what the Oscars were going for when they nominated it. Um, right. So probably like a three. Uh, again, I'm not mad at all. I just think that there were movies that tackled the same subject better and the Oscars could have chosen one that didn't have. I mean, obviously they chose Black Klansman for a reason. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it was good. It yeah. just wasn't, you know, my f- favorite. And I think that they they chose it for a reason that I would have chosen in other movies instead. Right. Maybe. Like but, blind um, spotting or sorry. Yeah. Or I mean, I love like blind spotting, mm, blind spotting. I loved Sorry to Bother You. I thought they were both excellent and really more original and interesting films by far that also happened to tackle similar themes. Um, and so if they were looking to tackle that theme, they could have picked one of those or all three of them. Uh, that would yeah. have been an option. Um, yeah. I would have been happy. To, I really wanted both Blind Spotting and Sorry to Bother You to get nominations here. Basically. Yeah, for at least um, something. I mean, yeah. God, they should have at least gotten screenplay nominations. Yeah, I mean the typical uh like like a consolation prize. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I think I think both of those movies should have been nominated and I do feel like Black Klansman was nominated sort of to like I don't want to say it was nominated to meet a quota for them, but I do feel like that's probably why. Um so, you know, I just think that there were better options for that or or just don't see it as filling a quota and nominate 
all of these movies because they all were sort of deserving in their own way. Um, right. So yeah, uh, I really yeah. Again, I like Black Klansman, so probably like a two point five or three. Um, I'm not mad. It's fine that it's here. It yeah. just I can't help but thinking that there were two other slots here that could have gone to blind spotting. And sorry to bother you. That's all. Um, yeah, uh, I'd say I'm I'm about a two. Um, I have mostly the same rationale as you do. I I thought it was pretty good, not like amazing, and not the best that was put out about racial relations this year. Um, but I was glad to see Spike Lee get a nomination for best picture. Um, uh, it's probably yeah. been a long time coming. Should have had yeah. it for do the right thing, but, uh, better. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I do think that's probably why black Klansmen also got nominated was just for the Spike Lee factor. Right. Um, but also, I mean, just in terms of race relations, black Klansmen also like valorizes like police in the end. So like, yeah. I don't know what that, the point of that, I don't know. So it's just like, in terms of like the current moment, like, I don't really know what's going on here, but, um, yeah, that is a bit of a, a troubling point. Um, yeah. and you know, it's an interesting story. Certainly it is. But... I mean, the story is undeniable here. Uh, it's very interesting, but you know, like sort of, I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was just like. I don't want to say it's like a conservative film, but of the films that tackle similar themes, it's the most conservative of them. And I would have liked to see one that had a little more like radical or leftist take. Get some more teeth to it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to bother you, especially. Right. And blind spotting too. But of course the fact that this one had that more conservative tint to it where it's like, Oh, you know, we're criticizing, you know, racism, but also like the police are cool. Uh, They can be great. You know, this of all, of course, the Academy went for the one that was a little more centrist yeah. on that one. Um, well, it's certainly not the worst film that was put out about race relations no. this year. <laughs> so. No, absolutely not. I mean, we'll get to that. We've got one in this category that was worse on that issue. Um, but it's just, yeah, um, it's still a good movie. It's good, and yeah. everyone should see it. And there's some great acting, and I see why it was nominated. Yeah. All right. So next, we're diving right into the dangerous territory uh bohemian rhapsody uh on a scale of one to ten how angry am i that it got nominated yeah um i want to be careful to not overshoot and like make it like the angriest i've ever been about a movie that got nominated but like crash exists exactly crash exists um but at the same time this movie is so bad on like so many different levels um, that it, it really does infuriate me the more I think about it because it has the saving grace of Rami Malek's performance. I'm going to say nine. Wow. Um, That's pretty, that's pretty high. Um, Well, it's like morally offensive. It's a bad movie. It's accurate. It's got a terrible that we're all watching play out on, basically on Twitter, but also in the headlines, but that basically means Twitter these days, uh, some bad backstory involving the director. So, you know, like nobody's happy with this movie anymore. <laughs> like there's a lot not to like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I would say an eight. Um, I thought it was a fun movie. Like I enjoy, I actually enjoyed watching it. Um, but like it was far from a high quality movie for me and really, like the the one shining light is the acting, particularly Rami Malek, but just about everything else about the movie is really not great. And the more I 
like go into it and like go back and review parts of the movie, the more I realize that there's really not a lot there to be praised. No. Uh, so it is no. just kind of shocking that it's up for best picture. <laughs> I mean, I think that they basically nominated it to pat themselves on the back and be like, see gay representation. We did that last year too, you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> we still couldn't give Brokeback Mountain an Oscar, but look. No, 2005, um, it wasn't in vogue yet. So they couldn't do that. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I really do think that that's why Bohemian Rhapsody is like getting all of these wins. They're like, look, it was nominated and it's about gay. So, like, we should totally let it win. Maybe they're like making up for Brokeback Mountain. Little did they know that everyone who's gay hates Bohemian Rhapsody. Except for that one guy who blocked me on Tinder after I told him why that movie sucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, it does seem like a lot of people have very polarizing views about this film. Um, and somewhat it divides along the lines of, I'd say, more casual moviegoers versus people who like try to see all the nominated films. Right. Um, and it's definitely not to disparage anyone who only sees a few movies a year, but there's like, there's some probably not core fans to of this movie. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> uh, but um, there's, there's some like people who really don't want to listen to the criticism of this movie. And to them, I'd say, you know, it's fine to like this movie, but you have to realize that there are some significant negatives to it. And, like to to have it nominated as best picture with some of the problems that it has uh it's just crazy to me i think yeah i mean it has so i mean and not even just like if you like think that it's okay that it was like very much revisionist and didn't follow like actual history of this band and the people involved in this band that'd be one like if you just didn't care about that that might be one thing but it's also just like technically bad in a lot of ways so right. Like, yeah. how can you say this is best picture? It's just not. So. And we're going to get into that, of course. All the all the technical aspects that have issues in this movie. Um, but for now, we will put a pin in Bohemian Rhapsody. And talk <laughs> uh, about... Put, put many, many pins in it, as we might like to. Oof. And we'll move on to The Favorite. Uh, well, I'm not mad at all. Um, however... Yorgos Lanthimos has had stronger visions in the past, and I think it's a bummer that he's getting nominated for this one That's first. Um, you know, I think The Lobster is a genius film. I think it has this amazing high concept, like, that's awesome and really weird and bizarre. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a shame that we're getting to the favorite, which is like a period piece, which is great in a lot of ways. I just want to be clear. So I'm just going to say two, because, like, I'm not mad. I just... I'm happy that this is going to expose Yorgos Lanthimos to a wider audience. I just wish that this recognition had come earlier for some of Yorgos Lanthimos's again, like black Klansmen, more toothed visions. Like, right. You know, um, this one, I won't say it lacked teeth, but it's, I mean, it's a different kind of teeth. Um, it's a little, again, it's though, a little more dulled down from his, yeah. like the, the harshness and sharpness of movies like Killing of a Sacred Deer. and right. Maybe even, lobster. maybe it's more like a three, just like Black Klansman, just like for the same reasons. Because it's just like, there were there have been better options before. Like, and like, what are we doing here? Um, but that said, this movie deserves nominations. It's bringing queer content to, I mean, this is one of the, I mean, what? this There are, now, first of all, there are three queer content films in um, this category now. Yeah. So 
hello. However, unfortunately, I mean, technically, two Vice of the queer covers. content films suck. So, oh, three. Technically, wow, Vice I covers queer Vice. content as well. Yeah, yeah. So half it's of the nominations cover queer content. Um, three of them put them at like the forefront. Well, okay, I don't know if Green Book puts it at the forefront. <laughs> um, but. Two of them put them at the forefront. One of them really highlights it. And one of them mentions it without a name. And that one is Green Book. Um, So Vice actually does more for queer content than Green Book. Um, Vice is a great queer movie. You heard it here first. At least Vice makes it look bad if you turn on your gay daughter. Uh, Green Book says it's bad if you mention the word gay. So. (laughs) God. Uh, Yeah. So I I think I'd, I'd give the favor to one on this uh i definitely you're yeah you're i mean you're right obviously i i I understand your your criticisms here but uh you know i mean you take what you can get i didn't think the lobster was ever going to get nominated for best picture because that's just what the academy likes to do you know that's their kind of thing so it would i it's kind of expected that he would have to tone his style down a little to get a best picture nomination i'm just really happy to see him get one and especially for such a fantastic movie that's actually seeing a lot of more widespread appreciation for Yorgos Lanthimos. I also want to point out that like, you're right. I think I can't go with three. It has to be like a two. Um, The screenplay by Deborah Davis has been written since the nineties and she has tried shopping it around for that long. So I think for that alone, you can't be mad at this movie. Like now, like (laughs) she really fought hard for this and like, that Yorgos Lanthimos was the person who said, yes, I will bring this to life. And it even took him a while from when he said he'd bring it to life till it actually got made. Like this movie deserves, like it deserves a lot of love Um, just because, I mean, half the reason it was so hard to get made was probably because it has lesbian content in it. So um, (laughs) probably. Yeah. So nineties. Yeah. And early two thousands. Um. (laughs) Remember when Brokeback came out and it was literally controversial? I mean, really. Oh my God. That's like crazy to think about to me now. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I can't be mad at this movie. I just, again, Yorgos Lanthimos, I followed him for a while and I just feel like there have been better articulations of his vision. But That's definitely true. I mean, but that doesn't matter. Visions can change and visions can vary from movie to movie. So there's virtually no reason to be mad at this movie other than my own bitterness. I do hope he makes more movies that are uh, as out there as The Lobster. Definitely. I I hope this isn't him moving completely away from that kind of film. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is his most mainstream film. I'd like him to go back to doing non... Like, things that really just, like, aren't going to be nominated. Like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. You know? Um, Like... Just do that again. Make make another lobster. Make dog tooth. Make make killing of a sacred deer. I don't know what was going on there, but <laughs> <laughs> it was some special sauce. It it did it for me. <laughs> I really liked it. Um, but okay. Yeah. So our next one is uh, well, which we've already talked about a decent amount. A uh, green book. Oh, you know what? That's like a ten. Like, that movie sucked so bad. It wow. sucked on every level. I mean, okay. No, it's got... I can't give it worse than Bohemian Rap. Well, maybe I can, because it offends me on both a race and, like, sexuality level. But, like... It's just so bad. Green Book is so bad. It doesn't have 
anything quite as egregious as some of like the technical aspects that are bad of Bohemian Rhapsody that we'll talk about. <laughs> but like, um, it is like really terrible. There is a part in Green Book where Don Shirley is complaining about how black artists are supposed to be on stage playing the piano with a glass of whiskey on their piano and like be like drunks and emotional or playing the blues basically is what he's trying to imply. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's like, they're supposed to do this, but I don't want to do that. And it's like, Oh God. And so that, cause it's like, you don't have to throw anyway, you don't have to throw anyone under the bus to say you want to play other types of music. I mean, and I'd have no, I don't believe Don Shirley ever did that. You know what I mean? Like that's like bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. So then at the end he plays like he goes to like a black club where he's playing music. And first of all, like uh, anyway, he goes there and he goes up and plays and there's a glass of whiskey on the piano. And so he picks it up and sits it down on the ground. Cause he can't be on the piano when he's playing it. Um, <laughs> and it, the camera cuts to Viggo Mortensen's character who guffaws at the camera. And it's like, yes, we get it. We know. We know that's a call. <laughs> you made back. a joke. Uh. Like, Jesus Christ, Pete Fairley. Like, get a life. I don't know. So, like, that's the kind of movie Green Book is. And that's, like, not just offensive. It, like, thinks its audience is just so stupid that it has to tell us that it made a joke. So, I hate that. Like, I really <sighs> hate that. <laughs> oh. um, also, because it's manipulative. So... Although so is Bohemian Rhapsody. You know what? They're both a 10. Screw it. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a margarita. I don't know what's happening. I'm getting, all out. <laughs> I'm getting really mad as I talk about this. That's that's what the whole point of this segment is. Uh, see, I, I would give it a 7, I think. Uh, you haven't seen because, it. Yeah, I so I haven't seen it. I definitely reserve my right to raise that score after I've seen it. Um, I don't I don't see how it can be as bad as Bohemian Rhapsody. That's definitely part of it. Um, I, I get the sense that at least there's like good acting going on somewhat in the film. Again, I can't, I can't really judge, but we said Uh, that about Bohemian Rhapsody too. I'm definitely upset about, um, the, the whole controversy with Don Shirley's family and about the way it handles race relations. Um, and I'm also upset that it's gotten so many nominations just outside of Best Picture. Like it got a Best Original Screenplay nomination when like the screenplay is fairly controversial. And there were a lot of other great movies this year that could have gotten a screenplay nomination. So yeah, I'm, I'm like extra mad about that part. But just in terms of Best Picture, um, yeah, I'd say I'm about a seven. Um, possibly going higher once I've seen it. Who knows? It probably will. I think you'll hate it. Um, well, I don't know. In general, I mean, I don't want to say you're softer on movies than I am, but I will say you like, I don't know. I'm like very angry. I, Vis- I'm I viscerally angry all the time. Like, <laughs> I find it hard to really hate a movie. Yeah, uh, and I don't, so. Like, I'll, I, I still have good things to say about Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, at least it was fun to watch. At least the music was good, which we knew it was going to be. But um, when it comes to nominations for awards, I'll definitely uh, be a little stricter. Because, right. you know, if you're putting something up as the best picture to come out this year, you better be, like, as close to flawless as you can be. This or year, least- best picture doesn't even mean best picture. I don't know what it means, but it's not best movie of the year. I'll tell you that. Some of these nominations, yeah, are just 
kind of mind blowing. Nobody can look at. I mean, nobody can look at Bohemian Rhapsody and say, "Yes, that was the best movie of the year." You just can't say that. If you've actually seen like all these other movies, just that are up for nominations, but like even the other ones that weren't nominated, if you've seen those movies too, like you, there's no way you can think that Bohemian Rhapsody is the best movie. I mean, even. It's- Ones Just that weren't not. on this list, like Eighth Grade or First Reformed or something like that, would be better movies than that. Eighth Let alone grade. some of the other nominees. Eighth Grade not being nominated when Green Book was is so offensive. I'm 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 still very upset about that because like Bo Burnham deserved that nomination. <clears throat> um, yes, Fisher deserved that nomination too. And there were two more spots. I, there are two more spots in Best Picture. Why did you expand the category if you're not going to use all 10 slots? I don't get it. What was the point? Yeah. It makes it me, vi- like, it's just, like, makes no sense. I know the Academy never makes sense. But, like, it's really, like, if you're going to have a category, they can take 10 nominations. And it makes sense that they expanded it. I'm really not mad that they were, like, oh, you know what? Narrowing down this field to five films is ridiculous. It's hard. Because, it's very hard. Because, like, you yeah. really want to pick something from, like, different thematic things that were big this year, you know? Like, you want to pick things that were popular this year that, like, really changed the cultural moment, like a Black Panther. Right. You you want to pick things that were just technically phenomenal, like Aroma, you know? So it really makes sense that you make it a bigger category because there are so many different factors to go in and you want to like nominate something to say like, yes, we saw all of these different types of film. And so we are acknowledging all of them here. They're all great in their own way. Exactly. So you want to make it 10 for that reason, but then you never use it. And then you still nominate a bunch of movies that are mediocre or are really like the same movie over and over and over again. I mean, in a way you can see a star is born. It's the same movie as La La Land thematically. So like, yeah, like, what (laughs) and then you don't even use all 10 so like even within the eight they are using there's a whole bunch of filler and then yeah but they even when they're putting in the filler they don't expand to 10 and to sort of expand on this a little bit um i am aware that there's um there's a threshold that movies have to pass to qualify for the best picture nomination so they determine the number of nominees based on if uh, the picture passes this threshold, I think it's like a percentage of the total vote. Um, so yeah, I sort of I understand the technical bits of why there are only eight nominees this year, but really that's just a sign they should change the way they nominate these movies. They should change the threshold, or they should just make it ten movies every year. Right, exactly. It's silly that they're that this is what we have for our best picture and that there are so many great movies that are being left out. It also just makes it feel so arbitrary. Like it's like, Oh, this year there were eight previous years. There were nine previous years. There were seven. Like, like, so it's like when somebody says like, Oh, this was nominated for best picture that year. It's like, well, what does that mean? Was it the 10th movie nominated or was it one of five? Like, yeah, you it know, changes it, every year. Yeah. So it just like, it doesn't really mean anything now just to be nominated. Like, so I don't know. Like, I mean, it does mean something still, although this year I don't know if it means anything to be nominated for Best Picture. But, like, it it's just, like, it it's very unclear what it all means when there's no, like, hard and fast rule about how we're doing this. And I know, like you said, there is that hard and fast rule about the percentage. But that is obviously stupid. 
So it's time to revisit that. I mean, they make they can in one year decide that they're going to create a category for popular film and then take it away. (laughs) They can do something about this. I'm sure of it. I even forgot that that controversy happened until right now. I'm almost so. wishing that they did do that now because then they'd like put Bohemian Rhapsody in that category so we wouldn't have to take it seriously. Yeah, um, that's true. But who knows? I mean, I, I then feel like become, it's basically the Golden Globes at that point. I mean, no offense to the Golden Globes, but then you're like doing best musical or best comedy or musical. The Golden Globes. A little, a offense little offense. The Golden Globes are stupid as whatever, but. They're only good when Ricky Gervais is hosting. That's the only time I'll watch. <laughs> He's so fucking funny. Uh, so, Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg are pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. But I, ju- but I just like Ricky Gervais because he insults everybody in the crowd. That's Sure, yeah. I mean, that's how you should host a Hollywood Awards show. Because they all deserve it. Um, um, so, so, yeah. Um, just... Let's sort of yeah, get quickly through the next section, three yeah. because we have we have a few more things we're trying to get angry about on this episode. Um, so Roma, uh, um, one. I've yeah one. <laughs> I've already talked at length about what I think is fantastic about this movie. I mean, it's also just all around a great movie. It's got a very good story. The acting is great. It's compelling, and it's in my mind just the perfect example of what a best picture nominee is supposed to be that's not to say that every nominee has to look the same has to be the same kind of movie has to be in the same genre not every best picture nominee has to be a black and white foreign language film shot in 70 millimeter it doesn't hurt but um it's at the depth of it it's got a really great story and it executes it phenomenally and that's right. what I look for when I'm trying to decide what the best picture this year was. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Roma, yeah, I definitely give Roma a one. I thought it was amazing. So I'm not mad at all. I I mean, clearly, based on the rating so far, you can tell that that's probably what I hope will win um, and what I want to win right. out of this category. So, yeah, uh, I love Roma. So no anger. <laughs> And then next, uh, A Star is Born. Uh, Like, it's a fine movie, but like a four or five. Like, really, did anybody think about this movie after they saw it? Like, I don't know. I watched it and I was like, okay, that's it. It's done now. Yeah. Except for when we recorded our episode on it. Like, I never thought, I would never think about it again. It's, we've seen the story literally three times before this one. I mean, really. Who cares? So. Yeah. (laughs) That's about where I'm at. I mean, I'd say a three. Uh, It was fun, but forgettable. It was very well executed. Um, It it was a good story, but then again, it's a story that we've seen hundreds of times. Um, The best part about it, I thought, was definitely the acting. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga were fantastic. Sure. I mean, Lady Um, Gaga was really stunning in this movie. That's like the best thing about this movie is hers. And the song Shallow. Oh yeah, Shallow was amazing. The music <laughs> was very good through and through here. Even the stuff that uh, Bradley Cooper's character's band plays, uh, yeah. which was composed by Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real. Yeah, I was gonna say there's I some know. exceptions to that. Like, why did you do that? I don't know what that song very was good. about. I don't need to hear that ever again. But um, but um, yeah, all all around, it was a good movie. A little forgettable, 
but I, I think it deserves its nomination, at least among the other nominees. Uh, I don't think it necessarily should win Best Picture, which, like, at some point, I kind of feel like it was considered to be a front runner. Uh, not necessarily. Yeah, well, so something much happened, anymore. and now Green Book is the front runner. Oh, so we've all gone to the the bad place because that should not be happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I may be a little angry that Star is Born was nominated, but I'm much angrier that Green Book was nominated. I I would not be too mad to see it win compared to some of the other options. Yeah, true. Yeah, if about. it actually won, I would like breathe a sigh. Like at this point, like I'm waiting to be mad about the winner so like if a star is born one i would just like breathe a sigh of relief probably be yeah. like oh thank goodness it was not bohemian rhapsody because i'm very afraid bohemian rhapsody will win i mean honestly if anything other than bohemian rhapsody uh green book or vice one i would be like okay yeah fair enough um which leads us into the last one vice well uh like a seven maybe almost wow. an eight pretty high well but we had i mean before this episode i would say that's probably the angriest i've gotten about a movie on on pod so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i really did not like vice um but i think that as opposed to something like bohemian rhapsody or green book there is some technical craft on display there that makes it like i can see why some people are lured in by it and why somebody like in the academy might have just like liked it you know what i mean um right so like i'm not i can understand it a little bit more than the others but i still think it's a bad movie because it insults its audience so okay yeah i i actually mostly liked vice i think i'd give it a five uh sort of middle of the road but um despite the fact that i thought it was um enjoyable to watch at least for me i do think that it's not up to the standard of a best picture nominee you know i mean it wasn't even as be- as good as the big short i thought and, I, and it sort of tried to replicate that in some places and didn't uh, really yes. pull it off <laughs> as well but i i give it credit for uh trying to do something a little different trying to be a little unusual it didn't always come through all the way but i thought it was far from the worst that we've seen this year um so yeah pretty much middle of the pack five for me yeah i mean that's fair that's what i expected you to say so all right so that sums up the best pictures for us um i'll definitely put in a little more information when i've seen green book but other than that that's pretty much where we stand on the best picture race so I think we both either want the favorite or Roma to win at this. Yeah, point. it's like for me, it's Roma the favorite. Uh, I don't know, Black Panther then a Star Is Born. I don't know. I'd say, and then it's like the rest. I don't even know what I would think anymore after that. Oh, Black Klansman then. Um, yeah, I think Black Klansman would be my number three. That's yeah, I would expect that. It'd be nice to see Spike Lee get one. Um, but yeah. That's where we stand. Uh, so, um, segueing into our next segment, which is a film that is noticeably absent from the Best Picture nominees that was predicted to be there several months ago when it first started screening at festivals, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, which Ugh. some people might find a little surprising that that was ever in consideration. I definitely found it surprising that people were talking about this as a potential 
best picture nominee. Um, but it wasn't there. And I have to say that's one of the few blessed things about this, uh, nomination cycle. I'm glad that it didn't get that much recognition. Yeah. I am so happy, honestly. (laughs) I mean, it was like the worst movie I've seen. It was fun. I I mean, I liked it. I had a good time and it was nice seeing Mary Poppins again. I mean, I was a big fan of the original. I'm sorry. Was that Mary Poppins? (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's the, that's the same Mary Poppins we all know and love. See, that's the other thing for me is it's like Mary Poppins isn't quite old enough for us to make a Mary Poppins returns and recast it and everyone to just be like, Oh yeah, that's fine. Um, (laughs) no, I've seen the original, like a, a bunch of times. So when you say it's like when she walks in and everybody's like, why you haven't changed a bit. It's like, well, yeah, she has. It's a totally different human. Are we not seeing this? Um, (laughs) but yeah. So, you know, um, maybe their memory is just that poor because you know, it's been a a couple decades. It's been a couple decades. Um, like like she had brown hair, right? The movie is charming, but I feel like it's like absolutely one of the least original films films we saw all year um it's just like basically the same movie it's like a cookie like, cutter from the original yeah yeah so it's like it's not at all interesting i do i think it's you're right to bring it up it at one point it did feel like it was like trying to push for awards like it you know it premiered at that festival and all the headlines were like standing ovation for mary poppins returns and i was like wow i'm so excited wow uh yeah yeah and then i saw it and i was like well that was a movie about like why inheritance funds are cool um (laughs) but benefits of investing in the stock market yeah so children like to see a movie about it's a weird yeah mary poppins returns was but i mean it got like what best score um Best score, uh, best original song. Yes. Uh, best for costume. which one? It got best original song for uh, the place where lost things go. Yes, that was okay. it. Um, which one was that? Uh, costume design and production design. Uh, okay, so the- production design is like deserved. Yeah, there was some there was some interesting stuff going on with the production design, and the costumes um, were really good too. I thought they were all like. They were very evocative of the period that they took place in. I thought a lot of it was kind of like predictable, but yeah, it was good. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't the whole bad. Movie is predictable. That's true, but like yeah. when when you do costume design, I want it to be like something really special. But yeah, um, yeah, true. I mean, compared to some of the other, oh sure, there were some bad costumes. Not have been um, nominated for costumes. Who's your um? And I guess maybe you have input from Lauren here, but who's your? Who would you like to see win best costume design? Because we so, might disagree on this. But. All right. Well, let's go down the category. Um, all right. So the category is Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, The Favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Mary Queen of Scots. Uh, I would go with The Favorite. Interesting. Okay. The Favorite is my second place. I think Black Panther should win Best Costume Design. Easily. Interesting. Huh. Well, uh, have you read all of the breakdowns of like the way it's costumes, like represent different tribes of Africa? I haven't. No, because it's really cool. I'd and like I think it, it really, like yeah, I'll find one and I'll send it to you, but also I'll try to post it to the Twitter. Um, all right. but, uh, cause I've read it like shortly after it came out. I can't, yeah, I'd have to find it again. But, um, 
Yeah, so I just think that that's really interesting. I think that's a costume style we don't see much in mainstream film now. So, like, yeah, as opposed to true. the favorite, which is, like, which is while a very good costuming is something that we do see, like, every year we have a movie with great costuming from a similar period. So well, true, but it was kind of a unique twist on that. It was. I, I agree. Was kind of special. Yeah, so yeah. it's a little above the standard, like, costume drama. Which is film. why I won't be mad if it wins, because I feel like it probably will. But I think Black Panther would deserve it just for being like, I mean, it, we don't see that, you know? Yeah, um, that's true. And that's a good point to make is that when you're uh, making a movie showing costumes that don't show up on the screen that much, that's a really good opportunity to show off your skills. And yeah, I mean, I, Black I don't Panther's remember costumes seeing... were great. Watch it again. I think yeah. you will. I think I don't remember the costumes too much, but I mean, like what I do remember, it was pretty good. I I wouldn't say that it's a bad nominee in this category. Certainly, um, interestingly enough, uh, Lauren told me she really did not like the costumes in Mary Queen of Scots. Well, uh, which is uh, an interesting because she's very into period costumes, and um, that's um, between that and the favorite. Those are like the two like classical period costume films. Um, she liked the ones in the favorite a lot more. And that appears to be the going opinion among a classic costumer fan base as well. Okay. I'll have to check out some more about, I mean, I don't know a ton about classic costuming, right? Um, but yeah. I also haven't seen this movie. Um, oh, Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah. 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 People just really did not like that one in, in the costuming community, apparently. Um, well, I think in general, maybe people didn't love this movie. Um, yeah, well, it, it's it has not gotten a lot of nominations outside of the costuming category. Um, but and like so. making a period piece like this that gets a lot of like that's big, you're basically a shoe in for yeah. costuming. So it it's costuming like that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> you got costuming and makeup and hairstyling, and um, Lauren said the hairstyling is also not very period accurate. So that's so. That's too bad. Yeah. Um, this movie should have been a big win for uh, the leading ladies, but it was not. Yeah, it's too bad. Saoirse Ronan is really good. Um, and, I mean, they're the leads are fine in the movie. Just the movie is just a mess, to be honest. Right. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah, Mary Poppins. Um, I think it deserved the music nominations for the score and the original song costuming although it should not win best score yeah there's a lot of other great (laughs) nominees in there Uh, i think if beale street should uh, if beale street could talk should win that one absolutely hands down but um yeah fortunately we didn't see a lot of other nominations like best picture um yeah so that's one thing to be thankful for in these trying times. Um, but going into something that was awful and that did get nominated, let's talk for a little bit about the editing in Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, this film is honestly a nightmare when it comes to editing. Um, both when it comes to like the overall editing of the picture, like the way the story comes together and in terms of just the way each scene is cut. 
there's a clip going around on Twitter right now, which we'll definitely link you to in the show notes or on Twitter, um, that just shows this one scene where the band meets with their new manager, played by Aiden Gillen, for the first time. And it's just a mess. There's literally like 20 cuts in like 15 seconds. Half the time, the person who's talking is not shown on screen and they make cuts to like these random reaction shots that don't actually show any reaction. They make cuts to show somebody pulling a chair up to sit down. And it's just, it's such a great encapsulation of everything that's wrong with that movie. Technically. Um, I, there's really no way to it's, describe it. Just check it out. It's out there and people are losing their minds over it. It's, really bad (laughs) that's like really all i can say like it's terrible i mean it's not it's really like like watching it and not i mean like i don't know i didn't remember because when i was watching the movie initially all i could think about was just like how wrong it got things so like as i left it i was like oh wow that just screwed up freddie mercury's life but (laughs) it really is like really blatantly bad editing and it's like editing that should have been easy to do like it's not like this should have been a hard thing that's a very straightforward scene it's just a bunch of people sitting at a table there's a very easy way to show that without cutting around like it's an action sequence like it's in the middle of a battle or something uh they just they made such an absolute mess out of like the the most basic scene in filmmaking. And that's pretty much as close as you can come to uh, what to like objectively bad in film when there's editing in this scene that doesn't service the scene, doesn't service the story, doesn't service the movie, doesn't service the characters, doesn't service anything at all. It's just an absolute incompetent mess. And not only was th- did this get into a film that is nominated for Best Picture, it was nominated for Best Editing. <laughs> Which is insane. <laughs> That's this insane. A, it's nominated for Best Editing, and there were so many other great, well-edited movies that could have been there, including If Beale Street Could Talk, where the editing was actually really good. Right. Can you, I mean, really, really. (laughs) And if you look at the film editing category this year, uh, it's Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, and Vice. Now, I don't really have anything bad to say about the editing in the other ones. Uh, I haven't seen Green Book. Vice was okay. It was sort of Adam McKay's typical uh, kinetic editing style. It was all right. Uh, Black Klansman was pretty good. The favorite was quite good. Um, So I don't have bad things to say about that. But what's really telling here is all five of these were also nominated for Best Picture. There wasn't a single one that got into this category on the uh, strengths of its editing alone. Do you know? Like a subservient category to the Best Picture. Right. So that's what I was thinking. Is editing one of those categories where you have to be like somebody who works in editing to vote for it? I I don't know enough about those specific rules to say one way or another. Because it doesn't, it's really some of these movies, 
not i mean bohemian rhapsody like obviously has bad editing uh you just mentioned that but most of them have like really i mean like green book does not have any special editing there is nothing worth even mentioning about its editing I don't know why anybody would think to nominate it for best film editing if they know a thing about film editing. And I don't know a thing about film editing. I mean, not actually doing it. I've never done it. Um, I can look at a movie and know, but like, yeah, so I don't really understand who chose things like this, like (laughs) green book and Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, um, that doesn't make any sense to me. The vice and the favorite are the only ones here that I thought had like memorable film editing. Right. Well, black Klansman did too, I guess. So, Black Klansman had some good editing happening in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, eh, it's mind-blowing. I mean, that I, I honestly feel like I'm even more upset about that than the Best Picture nomination for Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, that's Rhapsody. just because right now everybody's talking about that one sequence that has the worst Probably. film editing. Yeah. Um, um, so, it's, it's closest to the mind. But, you know, you can, we've seen mediocre films get nominated for Best Picture before, but to specifically call out the editing when that's like a major part of what's wrong with it. Right. Like that is a specifically large part of the problem with this movie. (laughs) And that's crazy. And and like the, the more you go into it and like look over parts of this film, it's clear that it's sort of cobbled together. I know they had to do a lot of reshoots for this movie. So clearly they didn't get all the material they wanted the first time around, probably not even the second time around. And they just sort of had to put together whatever they had in sort of a roughshod way. So for all we know, maybe the editor was working with uh, whatever he had. Maybe he did the best job he possibly could have. Who knows? But it's still... Not that's not something worthy of the best film editing of the year award. I agree. One hundred percent. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> but even then, come on. Best film editing. That's I mean, I just feel like best best film editing, this category feels like people who don't know anything and just picked random movies that they thought like right. You know, and like they're they all like the biggest, the biggest movies this year. Well, that's not, I mean, there are some movies that were bigger that were not included here, but right. Like a star is born is not here. That's true. God, I'd even, but I, I agree. I yes. definitely take a star is born over Bohemian Rhapsody in here. Yes. And a star is um, born had nothing special in the editing, but at least it wasn't just bad. It wasn't blatantly <laughs> bad. Yeah. Unlike Bohemian Rhapsody. Which was just terrible. Makes me so uh, bad. How are yeah. two bad movies nominated for so many awards this year? It's just a mess, honestly. Like, it's really a mess. Um, so we have one final nit to pick with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Not exactly a nit. It's a, it's a giant gaping sore at this point. <laughs> um, Brian Singer, the director... Um, well, at least partial director who supposedly walked off partway through the movie. Um, the regular, another cycle of allegations of um, uh, molesting underage men and uh, boys has arisen. Um, this one, it it's just awful. I mean, there's there's really no two ways around it. It's terrible. Um, there have been rumors about him for 
decades and um there have been allegations in the past this one there's a very thoroughly sourced article in the atlantic that sort of runs down the whole thing um and it's very compelling and it's it's just a mess and a lot of people are very upset about the fact that this movie is nominated um while all these allegations are going on and what i think is even more egregious than that is the fact that he has uh, a big movie coming up, uh, Red Sonia, that he's due to direct. And uh, he's still got that job despite all this going on. And that's crazy. I mean, there have been allegations plaguing him since Apt Pupil, which was two decades ago. Yeah. That was and one arguably of is the movies. reason Brad Renfro is no longer with us. Like, <laughs> like... And still he's getting these, I mean, he's like the reason, I mean, it's crazy. He's the reason the X-Men franchise is what it is today. And he was allowed to do that. Like, (laughs) that's insane to me. So, I don't know. I think it's infuriating. Um, I really hope this is like the end. Like, I hope this is somebody, like something happens so that he is finally done in this industry. Because it's like, it's gross to continue to watch him just go up and up and up. And that's like, I mean, there was a time in my life before I paid so much attention where like I considered The Usual Suspects one of my favorite movies. You know what? Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey were involved in that movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> that movie just gets worse and worse uh, in terms of the people who are involved in it. Yeah. I still think it's uh, a good movie, but. God, it is. That's the sad thing. At what Even like cost? the X Men movies are also great movies, some of them. Yeah, like, it's true. But at what cost? Like, it's not worth it. So yeah. it's Brian Singer needs to be done. It, it's like time to see him in because I also feel like it's like disturbing that he's allowed to continue. Like, why is he, why can he continue? Like after all of this time? Yeah. If Harvey Weinstein got taken down, uh, you should be able to take down Brian Singer. I mean, um, Brian Singer is not, doesn't have his hands in everything the way Harvey Weinstein did, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, even more like Harvey Weinstein was arguably even more powerful in Hollywood so if that's like the big thing holding holding well back so you'd presume mm, it to be easier i feel like there's a lot to unpack here and i don't want to get too like bogged down in it i think that the harvey weinstein thing was yes he's very powerful so like you think it'd be harder to take him down but notice how so far there haven't been any convictions um but second of all like it's also like because he's so powerful, he has met literally everyone and had his fingers in literally everything. So if you were disgusting oh, the way he is, it's going to backfire. And when it does, there's going to be so many different angles from which yeah. it will backfire, which is what happened with Harvey Weinstein. Um, and I, feel that's like great. He, I feel like you could have worded that differently. What, it, what do you mean? Oh, the fi- oh yeah. Okay. You know what? <laughs> oh, I really, God. I was just thinking like, yeah. It's just like the, that's like a thing people say, like you have your hands or your fingers in things like that are yeah. anyway. Um, you know what? I hate this. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. So we don't want to yeah, get there was just a lot of room for backfiring with Harvey Weinstein where Brian Singer was like, he's done a lot, but he hasn't he's not like running like every like, you know, he's not the Weinstein. He doesn't have as big of like of everything as Harvey Weinstein. It's not the same. Um, so right. like it's going to take longer, but it is still time. He's a huge fixture in Hollywood. He needs to be done. Like he's done enough and he should have, a, there should be enough support for getting rid of him as disgusting as he clearly is. Like, 
Well, uh, maybe if there's one positive thing that comes out of all this undue recognition for Bohemian Rhapsody, it's that it also results in more recognition of what's been going on with Brian Singer, and maybe that'll make people finally deal with it. So maybe there's a shining light to all this garbage with Bohemian Rhapsody. I hope so. I'm looking at a picture of Brian Singer. And I can I'm only hope. Angry. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, we don't want to get too into depth with uh, this particularly dark subject, but uh, it is pretty awful. It's definitely something a lot of people are talking about right now. And it's a big deal to the film industry. It is. It is a very big deal. And it's a reminder of the problems that the film industry is still dealing with, you know, just because Harvey Weinstein got taken down to a certain extent doesn't mean we're done here. Um, There's still a lot to be done. A lot going on. (laughs) But um, yeah, on a lighter note, um, we're still plugging through these Oscar films. Um, I don't know about you. I, I mean, I assume you feel the same way. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Oh despite, yeah. Despite the fact that some of these nominees we might not like. I I mean, other than this, other than talking about it here, I don't really focus on that that much. I'm more interested in seeing all these new movies, uh, especially a bunch of kind of stuff that I wouldn't normally watch. And I think that's what's so great about this this whole time of year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have a blast doing this every year. I think that yes, I complain a lot about the bad movies on this podcast, but there are so many movies that are really great. And honestly, I should focus on those. It's just hard to at moments. So um, it is, it's good to rant once in a while. There's, there's lots of things to rant about, but we can, we can have good rants too. Um, what are you trying to see this week to uh, check off your list? All right. Let me uh, pull up my list real quick so that I can actually see what I do have plans to see this week. All right. Uh, so I, this week, I am definitely planning on seeing, I hope Border, it's playing one showtime only at a local theater. Um, I'm oh, hoping I'll be able nice. to see it this weekend. Um, it's at like 9.55 p.m. every night. Uh, so I'm hoping I'll be able to go do that this week. Yeah, um, that I'm one's seeing... hard to find. Um, there's nothing showing, there's nowhere showing that around here. So uh, I might yeah. have to come up to you and see that at some point. We'll see. Well, you're welcome anytime in New York. Um, I'm looking to see uh, First Man. I want to actually like rent that on video on demand and watch it. Um, yeah, same. And I might actually just buy the Blu-ray for that because. Um, oh, it's like, like on rent on Amazon Prime for like five ninety nine. Is Damien Chazelle? I'm sure I'm gonna like it, and it's about Neil Armstrong. I'm big into space, so. I'm, Quote, just, I'm big into space. I'm um, big into space. I might preemptively um, buy that one. Uh, I'm definitely seeing Murray this week. I'm seeing it tomorrow night, uh, in fact. Um, I'm very jealous about that. Yeah, you should be. I'm going to this awesome bar and that, restaurant to see it. Uh, that's the another menu is very great. hard one to see. Yeah, so too bad yes. you're not up here tomorrow night. Um, Sounds like you're seeing it in a fun place, too. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, I'm seeing, hopefully, was- Mary Queen of Scots this week. Oh, boy. What were you saying? Uh, what was that place called again? The, syndicated. Um, syndicated. It's syndicated bar and theater. So it's like oh. a full service restaurant and bar and also a movie theater. Um, yeah. Look it up. It's in Bushwick. It looks really, really cool. I'm really excited to go tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I hope, well, I'm hoping to watch Minding the Gap very, very soon. Um, since that's available on 
demand on Hulu. You never know how long that will ultimately last. So I want to knock it out before it like suddenly disappears. Right. Um, so we'll see. I'm probably going to watch like a movie every day for the next week. So it's like, it really yeah. just depends on what happens. I'm trying to watch, I think at least five a week. I think that's yeah. reasonable goal. Um, with, so with 14 features and 14 shorts left, um, Really, the shorts I count as like three because I you'd see them in the three blocks. Um, so yeah, it's like same. Seven, yeah. Seventeen different viewing experiences um, over about four weeks. So yeah, I think five a week makes sense. Uh, I'm trying to see Shoplifters this week. Um, that's still showing in a theater near me, and definitely want to try to catch that before it leaves theaters. Um, also probably going to see green book cause that's still in theaters and I'll be able to finish out the best picture nominees that way. And also, uh, Capernaum, which is also in theaters. Um, in terms of home viewing, I'll, um, probably going to start with first reformed cause that's on prime right now. Um, and there's a few others that are on streaming that I might check out depending on how much time I have, like minding the gap. Or uh, of fathers and sons, right? All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll be back in another week, uh, and we'll let you know where we stand at that point. I'm feeling pretty good about it so far. I think, other than those two, Border and Mireille, um, I pretty much know how I'm going to see all these movies. So, um, I think I, I should be able to pull it off this year. Yeah, I think so too. I think we both will, which is really exciting. It'll be nice to go into Oscar night being like, yeah, I saw all of them. Um, That's always fun. You get to yeah. you get to brag to everyone, get to right. show off your check sheet. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, are I've you, seen. Are you hosting an Oscars party? Is that happening? Um, I was talking about it at some point, but uh, Lauren's not around. So I don't know. Probably not. But mm, okay. I might there like usually a bunch of people at my apartment complex watch it in the common room, so I might go down there. We'll see. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Are you doing anything special? No, not so far. Clearly there's like room for like growth here. We could watch together. But anyway, yeah. that's a conversation for off the pod. So live podcast. Some yes. of um yeah. So that's where we stand right now. Uh, we'll let you know where we are next week. Yeah, I'm and, excited. Um, you know, if if you want to follow our exploits throughout the week in between podcasts, you can find us on Twitter at Buzzed On Movies. Um, yes, you sure can. If you give us a retweet on there or a shout out, we might dedicate a shot to you on the next podcast. Gladly. Uh, yeah, it's all that's always a fun experience. And um, if you like what we're putting out, uh, feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the other platforms we're on. We're on Spotify, Google Play Music, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. And uh, give us a review. Tell us what you think. Just uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like. And if we like what you like, we'll do more of it. Yeah. So, um Keep getting out there and seeing these nominees. They're all great. And uh, we'll see you at the movies. See you at the movies.